Well, good morning, Vaughn Forest uh, Church. So glad to be with you uh, today. My name again is Matt Pylon, uh, and I get a, the privilege to serve at Bethlehem Church just outside of Athens, as Pastor Adam uh, said earlier, and just such a privilege. Just a couple things you need to know about me. Uh, I am a husband, been married uh, to my wife, Lindsay, for 17 years, and we have four kids. So that is why I'm here. I need a break. So uh, so good uh, to be with you uh, today. Adam and I are friends. We get a chance to coach pastors uh, together. I'll tell you what, I love him dearly. One of the smartest leaders that I've ever met. You need to know this. Like He has a lot of influence outside of the walls uh, of this church as well. So you should be thankful uh, to have Pastor Adam. And of course, Morgan. I mean, you, you, you hired him to get her. So that's, uh, that, is, that is kind of the deal. But we are in a series called uh, Broken Crown, and I love to study the Old Testament. I don't know if anybody uh, watching online, maybe here, you love the Old Testament, you love history. I'm kind of a history buff. So I really enjoy studying uh, the kings that we find in the Old Testament. In fact, I think we can learn a lot from them. And today I want to talk to you about a king that you may know by name, but you may not know his story. And that his name is King Uzziah. But here's the thing about King Uzziah. We're going to find out that King Uzziah and you and I have something in common. In fact, there's something lurking inside of us that was lurking inside of him. And it is something that, that in the end was his downfall. So let's, let's just play a little game. Let's just see if we can figure it out, what we're going to talk about today. And here's a few clues. It's the one thing that keeps you from celebrating the accomplishments and achievements of others. It's the one thing that keeps you from learning new things. It's the one thing that keeps you from saying, I don't know, men. It's the one thing that keeps you from saying, I'm sorry. It's the one thing that keeps you from being honest with others. And it's the one thing that keeps you from admitting you need help. Uh, and the word we're going to talk about today is what? It's pride. It's pride. Because we all wrestle with pride. In fact, just so we all know that it's a level playing field, here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand if you struggle with pride. Just raise your hand. Just be honest. It's the way. Just all skate right here. Keep your hands up, okay? Keep them hand. Don't let them down. All right, so here, here's what you need to know. If you got your hands up, I'm preaching to you today, okay? But if your hands aren't up, I'm really preaching to you, okay? So uh, just want to let you know uh, that right from the beginning. Now, when we talk about pride, here's a couple things we need to know. Uh, first of all, there are healthy uh, healthy things or healthy versions of pride. In fact, there's pride in our work. There, there's pride in our families. There's pride in our achievements. There's, there's pride in our children. And, and the, the pride that I'm talking about today is not, it's not the pride that you put the bumper sticker on the back of your car that says, you know, my kid's an honor roll student. Okay, it's not that type of pride. It's not the pride, that, that the bumper sticker that you put on the back of your car that says, my child can beat up your honor roll student. Okay, it's not that type of pride either. In fact, one of my favorite authors, R.T. Kendall, when I was studying uh, about pride and, and actually jealousy, he, he talked about this. He said, pride is like cholesterol. There are good versions of cholesterol that we need, but there, there are versions of cholesterol that will kill us. And so the pride that I want to talk about today is the one that will kill us. It will destroy the relationships that we have both vertically, you know, uh, with, with our creator and with uh, those who we uh, are friends and family, those horizontal relationships that, that pride can really get in and affect with friendships and marriages and even with our, with our kids. That's the pride I want to talk about today. In fact, this is important, but whenever you see the Bible talk about pride, it always talks about the negative pride, the pride that will destroy us. 
And that's exactly what happened in King Uzziah's life. And so we're going to read this together. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 26. We're going to read about King Uzziah. If not, we got you covered. We're going to throw it up on the screen right here. So here we go. King Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. So he was 16 years old. Think about this. When, when Uzziah became king, he was 16 years old. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. That's a long time. One of the longest reigning uh, kings. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. And he did what was, and this is important. You need to know this in the story, the beginning of the story. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. So Uzziah had godly parents, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So think about it, This is a big deal. He was 16 years old, for those of you who have teenagers, especially 16-year-olds, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's a big deal, right? That's a really big deal. Some of you are like, amen. Um, he sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So this is important to the story because Zechariah, Zechariah was instructing this young king, 16 years old, Uzziah. And here's what he told him. He said, as long as you will fear God, God will, God will uh, bless your life. And we know this from Scripture, the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So when we fear God, when we have a healthy fear of God, we understand our place in the story, then what God does is there, there is a wisdom he gives us. A healthy wisdom that allows us to make good decisions in our life. To, to see the end result of the decisions that we're going to make. And this is important because that's what wisdom always does, by the way. Before we walk through the door of decision, wisdom sees the end result of that decision. And we see doors that we walk through in our lives that we don't land at the destination we want to be at. That would be a lack of wisdom. And so... In Uzziah's life, in his young kingship, God blessed him. As long as he feared God, as long as he walked in obedience, and I would add walks in humility, he realized where his success came from. His success came from the fact that God's, God's hand was for him. His favor was on him. And so favor is, a, is an interesting thing. I've heard it described this way, and I think it's true. Favor and blessing. We do all that we can do, and then God pushes us further. God pushes us further. That's what was happening in King Uzziah's life. In fact, King Uzziah became known as, as a person who uh, had an unbelievable amount of creativity. In fact, Scripture says that he was an inventor. He was also a farmer. He was kind of a Renaissance man before the Renaissance, if you would. He was just a jack of all trades. He was good at everything. He rebuilt cities, built these incredible cities in Jerusalem. In fact, here's what Scripture says about his kingship. His fame spread far and wide, so everybody knew. Like, there was something to this king, for he was greatly helped. God's hand was on him, blessing was on him, until he became what? Powerful. Powerful. Now, we all know where this story is going, and here's why we know where the story is going, because we've seen it played out before. We've seen it played out before, maybe in our own lives or in the lives of others. But power can lead to pride. Is that when we have a certain amount of success and power in our lives, here's what can happen, it can lead to pride. In other words, we, we kind of say this to God, God, I got it from here. God, I appreciate you getting me to where 
I am, but I, I just want to let you know I've got it from here. And so that's exactly what happened in King Uzziah's life. And then look at this, the next verse, verse 16. It says, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride, his pride led to his downfall. You see, King Uzziah had a really, really good thing going on, and then his pride messed it up. And the same thing happens in our lives. Again, we know this movie. We know the story. We've seen it played out over and over and over. And sometimes we are the, we're kind of the main character of the story. Because it's a level playing field when we talk about pride. We all struggle with pride. So let's look at King Uzziah's story. Such a, such a powerful story. And there's some lessons that we can learn from it. So let's read on. Chapter 26, verse 16. It says, he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other, notice it says courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. The reason why I would ask courageous is because it takes a lot to confront the king. And so these, these priests, right, these 80 priests, they come and they confront King Uzziah. They followed him in, and here's what they said. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priest. That's for the priest. It's not right for you to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priest. Now that's important as we, as we kind of unpack things and we see this, is that the priest had authority that King Uzziah did not have. And he goes on, it says, the descendants of Aaron who have been consecrated to burn the incense, that, that is their job. God gave them that authority. In other words, hey, King Uzziah, the authority to burn incense was not yours. You cannot take that authority because that authority had not been given to you. Now you see how pride works because what pride does is pride says, I deserve it. Pride says, if, if I want to take it, I'll take it. That's exactly what we see in King Uzziah's story. Again, one of, one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, he said this about our pride in mere Christianity, really one of the more important books, Christian books, um, that I think has ever been written. It says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is, pay attention to this, it is the comparison that makes you proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. Now, don't you hate C.S. Lewis? Because he's right. He's right. That is true in all of our lives. So what I want to do just for the next few minutes is I want to give you some lessons that we see here from the story of King Uzziah on pride. And here's the first thing I want you to write down in your notes. Pride always seeks to take what has not been given. Pride always seeks to take what has not been given. You see, what is true for Uzziah is true for us. Pride is an appetite that is never satisfied. You see, you would have thought that King Uzziah would have been, would have been okay with just having the success and the fame that God gave him when he was walking in obedience. You would have thought that he would have been satisfied the fact that he is the king. The king. You see, the problem with King Uzziah is King Uzziah was never satisfied. He always wanted more. 
And because he had a title and because he had a position, he sought to take things that were not his. Again, the authority of the priests had been established by God. And so by undermining the authority of the priests, he was undermining the authority that God had placed there. That's important. Because God establishes authority, by the way. That's what Scripture says in the book of Daniel, that he establishes all authority, all the authority that we see in the nations. God establishes. They sit under his authority, the ultimate authority of the creator of the universe. You see, it's always pride in our lives. I wrote a few things down. It's always pride in our lives that says, if I want something, I'm going to take it. It's pride that wants more than we have. It wants what others have. It's pride that is never satisfied in what has been given to you. It's never satisfied. There's always another step. There's another thing that we have because we think that that thing is going to satisfy us. It's pride that leads to greed over generosity. It's pride that says, I'll decide the rules. I'll be God. I'll decide what I want to do. In fact, that sounds like Adam and Eve when you go all the way back to the fall of humanity. Depravity enters humanity and enters the world, enters creation. You see, God had given Adam and Eve power to make decisions, but he hadn't given them permission to make certain decisions. And what they decided is they didn't want to be under the authority of God. They wanted to determine their, their own authority. They want to be their own authority. They want to make their own rules. And that's called pride. And when that happened, then depravity, sin, entered humanity. And we've been wrestling with it ever since. Because what is in them is in us. There's pride that rises up in our lives. And here's what we say to God. God, I want to be God. I want to make the decisions. I want to determine the rules. And that is pride. That's pride. And when we are led by pride, we are choosing, watch this, this is important, to remove the hand of God from our lives. You see, as long as King Uzziah walked in humility, in fear of God, then the hand of God was for him. But the moment he decided to take what had not been given to him and his pride led to his downfall, then all of a sudden that hand who was for him was now against him. It was against him. And that's what we see. In fact, Scripture says, let's read on, it says, leave the sanctuary. For you, this is the priest talking, you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord. In other words, God's hand will not be on you anymore. God's hand was for you. You were honored. But now, because you decided to take what, not, what was not given to you, then God's hand is now going to be against you. And that is what we see. He was not satisfied with the success of his kingship. He was not satisfied with the success of the country that led to his fame. He was not satisfied. All He wanted to take what had not been given to him. And when that happened, when he was unfaithful, God's hand that had blessed him in so many ways was now against him. It was now against him. You see, here's the second thing we can learn from the story about pride. Pride causes God to oppose you. Now, some of us are feeling that right now in our lives. It may be the reason why you're walking in opposition and everything is falling apart around you. It may be because you are walking in pride. It may be because God's hand is against you. And can I be your friend just really, really 
quickly here. The one thing you and I don't want to do is to be in opposition with God. We will not win. We will not win. We did not create the universe, okay? He did. We do not want to be in opposition to God. We, we do not want God's hand on us. In fact, Scripture says that, that, that pride, when it talks about pride, it says that, that God literally presses down on the proud. First Peter says God opposes the proud. He presses down on the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we walk in pride, God's hand is on us. It is against us. But when we walk in humility, then God gives us grace. God gives us favor. So it's important that we understand that, that you and I do not want to live a life that is opposed to God. You do not want to have the hand of God against you. I do not want to have the hand of God against me. Now, I learned this lesson uh, really early on uh, in my marriage, this lesson on pride. Now, how many of you know that, that getting married tells you a lot about your pride, all right? We all, we all do, okay? Every single one of us, like, when you get married, you, you, you realize how selfish and prideful you really are, especially when you have kids, okay? And then you have a second kid, and then, like, a third kid, and then a fourth kid, like I do, and then you're like, what are we doing, okay? So, uh, but, but one of the things that, that marriage will teach you is it will teach you about humility. It'll teach you about the selfishness and the pride in your life. Now, I learned this really early on when I was... Um, well, uh, just married. In fact, I'd only been married a few days. My wife and I were on a honeymoon uh, in, the, in the Caribbean. And my wife and I love the beach. You may be a mountain person, but like, we, we just love the beach. And so we were, we were on the beach. We were sitting on the beach. And my wife, some, some of you can identify with this, my wife's idea of a good vacation is inactivity. She wants to be sitting on the beach in a chair, staring at the ocean, I mean, breathing it all in. That's, that's her idea of a vacation. My idea of vacation is activity. So I'm sitting down on this chair right next to her, and, I, and that's great for about 30 minutes. And then I, I'll start pacing, okay? I, I need to do something. I need to get in the water. I need to, I need to do something. I need activity in my life, because that's just kind of how I function. And so I got an idea, because they had these little sailboats uh, that were part of the resort that you could kind of take out in these designated areas, okay? And so I, I just told my wife, after a few hours of sitting there, I'm like, I'm, I'm going stir crazy. How about I take you out on one of these sailboats? Now, my wife asked a really, really good question at this point. She goes, how much, how much experience sailing do you have? And I said, well, none. But I mean, how hard can it be, right? That's called pride, okay? That's pride. And so she agrees, because we just got been married, you know, and she's, you know, she's being gracious to me. So we get on this, this sailboat. Now, I told her, I said, as, as we were kind of venturing out, I, I told her, I said, I'm going to try to take you, because we had, we had been on a walk, and we'd seen on the other side of the resort was this private beach. And I thought, how cool would it be? Just kind of take this little sailboat around the corner of this private beach, or I'd just be very romantic. And, and I'm, I'm sailing out there, and things are good. Things are real good. I mean, I, I look like a pro, okay? And here's why I look like a pro, because the wind was at my back. It wasn't that hard. So we're going out there, and I'm sneaking out there, and I'm telling her, look, I've got it under control. And so we, we're, we're leaving the designated area, going around this corner, kind of being mavericks, and then all of a sudden I heard a loud siren, okay? This, this guy in this boat started screaming at us that we have to get back to the designated area because it wasn't safe. And so I decided that I was going to, you know, say yes, because I didn't want to get kicked out of the resort on my honeymoon. So I said, sure, we'll turn around. We'll go the other way. Well, when we tried to turn around, here's what I realized. The wind that was at our back was now against us. 
was against us. And I didn't know how to get back. I didn't know how to get back. And we kept getting further and further out to sea. I'm trying to get back, and we kept getting further and further out. And my wife is scared to death of sharks. She thinks that the worst thing that could ever happen to you is to get eaten by a shark. I mean, that's the worst way you can go. Now, I think it's kind of an epic way. Like, if you got to go, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way to go, right? And so we, we, we're trying to make it back. She is freaking, I mean, full freak out mode. She is yelling, she is screaming, and we're getting further and further out to sea. Now, kind of make a long story short, after about 45 minutes and a guy coming out there and instructing me and helping me try to get the sailboat back, we, we finally made it back. And I'll tell you, that's the last time we went sailing, all right? Because we want to stay married, so that was important. But here's what I learned on that day. It's a really good lesson. The point is that some of us, some of us are living our lives trying to sail against the will of God. We're trying to sail against the will of God, and you and I are not going to win. And it may be the reason why we're experiencing difficulty right now in our marriages, in our own lives, is because we're trying to sail against the will of God. And I promise you what you and I want is we want wind in our sails. We want wind to our back. That is the favor of God. In fact, Luke chapter 14, verse 11, here's what it says. For those who exalt themselves... In other words, here I am. You ever met those people that walk in the room that just kind of their personality is like, here I am, I've arrived, okay? Everything's gonna be good, here I am. We'll be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Again, people that walk into the room, here I am, here's what it says, God will humble them. But those who walk in humility, which is what King Uzziah did for the first few years of his, of his reign, will be exalted. So we see this in King Uzziah's life. So let's read on. Verse 19, here's what it says. It says, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests, in other words, he was screaming at them. And I don't know what he was screaming, but I imagine he was screaming to them and letting them know that he's king, that he has a title. He was screaming at them in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, watch this, this is important, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So they hurried him out. Why did they hurry him out? Because he was unclean. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. The Lord had afflicted him. And so what we see is we see King Uzziah being humbled. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so in one moment, listen, King Uzziah went from king to leper. King to leper. He went from pride to humility. God humbled him just like that. Why? because he tried to take authority that had not been given to him. So let's, let's read on, verse 21. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. And scripture says he lived in isolation. This is important. He lived in isolation in a separate house, for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. So here's the third thing I wanna give you that pride does. Pride is a prison that will isolate you from others. 
Pride is a prison that will isolate you from others. Again, when you are full of you, there is no room for anybody else. When you step into every conversation and you've got to one-up or you've got to be the person who knows it all, nobody wants to be around those people. So it's a great question for us to wrestle with. Are we people that walk into a room and we say, here I am? Do we walk into conversations with each other and say, here I am? Or do we walk into rooms and conversations and say, there you are? There you are. Let me, let me speak to men. Let me, let me get real practical for a second. Men, you got families. You work really, really hard. You come home. You can either walk through the doors of your home and you can say, hey, here I am. I've worked really, really hard. You need to serve me. I'm going to sit in my chair. I deserve a break. Or you can walk into your home and say, hey, I am here to serve. I'm here to serve you. You know what happens every single day that I walk home? When I or walk home, I drive home, I don't walk home, but I walk into my house. Every single day, you know what? My kids are waiting for me. You know what they want to do? They want to turn around. They want me to walk back out that door because they want to spend time with me. And I can either walk and say, no, no, it's been a hard day. I'm, this is just daddy's time. I need to relax. Or I can say yes to them. I go, how can I serve? What can I do? See, that's what humility does. Humility does. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says it this way. Paul says, he says, don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others. In other words, don't make it just about your thing. It's all about you. But be interested in others, too, in what they are doing. What they are doing. I, I kind of I like to illustrate this by, by using a smartphone. You know, we all have a smartphone. And on your phone, you have two lenses. You have one lens that faces away from you, and you have one lens that faces towards you. And you and I have a choice. We can either push the button of the lens that faces away from us, or we can push the button to the one that faces towards us. I think the same is true in our relationships. We can either choose to focus the lens of our lives on others, or we can make it all about us. So the question we probably should ask ourselves, when people leave conversations with us, do they feel better about us, or do they feel better about themselves? You see, when you enter a conversation, you make it all about you. You know what you're saying? My thing's more important than your thing. I want you to feel better about me. But when you walk into a conversation with humility and not pride, here's what you say. Hey, you tell me about your thing. That's what Paul's saying here. Don't make it about just about your thing. Be considerate of others and what they are doing. So here's the thing. Pride doesn't just isolate you from others. Watch this. It isolates you from God. It isolates you from God. Psalms chapter 10, verse 4 I ran across this passage, and I really think it's, it's a powerful, powerful passage. And here's what it says. It says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. So what this doesn't say is, in his intellect, the wicked man does not seek him. You see, for some of us, we think the reason why people don't say yes to the offer of Jesus Christ Maybe you're here and you're wrestling with that and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ yet. I'm just watching this. Maybe you're watching online. And you, here, here's what you're thinking. I need, to, I need to connect all the dots before I say yes. 
And intellectually, you're trying to get there. And here's what this verse is saying. It's not intellect that keeps us from God. It's pride. You see, you can look all around at creation and see that there's a creator. That things are created in order. It's pride that keeps us from God. And that's exactly what we see in King Uzziah's life. King Uzziah no longer sought after God. And he took authority that had not been given to him. And the success that God gave him because of his favor, that favor was now, that hand of favor was now against him. And we see something powerful here. We see something very interesting. You see, when Uzziah came in and he decided that he was going to play the role of the priest because he had a title and he could. When he, in that moment that that happened, Scripture says that God afflicted him with leprosy. Now, leprosy was, was the disease of the historic ancient times. In fact, if you got struck with leprosy, then it was incurable disease. It was highly contagious. And in fact, when you, were, when you, um, when you had the disease, you, you had to be isolated from everybody. You had to be isolated from friends. You had to be isolated from family. And so what Scripture says is that King Uzziah spent the rest of his days in isolation. He could no longer walk into the temple of God. Now, when I read that, here's what I first thought. I thought God afflicted him with leprosy out of judgment. So in other words, King Uzziah tried to take what had not been given to him, and what did God do? God struck him with leprosy out of judgment. He showed him, you're trying to take something that hasn't been given to you, and the judgment of that is leprosy. But I want you to see something very interesting. In Mosaic law, the lepers fell under the authority of the priest. So King Uzziah would not fall willfully under the authority of the priests. So you know what God did? God made him fall under the authority of the priest. Because pride led to him exalting, exalting himself. And you know what God did? He humbled him. And he said, listen, if you're not going to sit willfully under the authority of the priests, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to force you under their authority. And that's exactly what God did. And he lived in isolation the rest of his days. You see, for you and I, I think it's important we wrestle this down. For you and I, Pride is the issue of our lives. I think more than fear, I think more than anxiety, I think, it's, I think it's pride. And we're not the only ones. You see this throughout Scripture, by the way. In fact, I love in Mark chapter 10, it talks about two disciples that I, I, th I think are, are relatable, especially with the issue we're talking about today. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, it talks about uh, James and John, who were brothers, they were disciples under Jesus, but they were also brothers. In fact, James and John were, were like many of us. They, they, they were people who dealt with pride. And here's why we know this, because Jesus actually gave them a title. He gave them a nickname. You can read it for yourself in Mark. He called them the sons of thunder. Now, how about that for a nickname? Like Jesus is like, hey, James and John, you guys are like a tag team duo, okay? Like wrestling before wrestling. Like you guys are, you guys are like the sons of thunder, and he got, they got that nickname because of things like when they went in to preach into a city, 
and they weren't welcomed in the city, they came back to Jesus, and they told Jesus, hey, we went into the city to preach, and we weren't welcomed in the city, so here's what we think you should do, Jesus. We think you should rain down fire from heaven and annihilate the city, because they didn't welcome us. That's why they were called the sons of thunder. You can read it for yourself, Mark chapter 10. But there was this moment that we also see in their life that they were with the disciples. In fact, their mom was there as well. And I can just imagine their mom was so proud of James and John. Like they, they, he was, she was trying to help them, you know, she was trying to position them. And so James and John went to Jesus and just said, hey, Jesus, we got an idea. How about in your kingdom, when you're sitting as king on the throne, how, how about, here's what we do. Like, the sons of thunder sit on your left and your right. Like just above everybody else, the sons of thunder sit on your left and your right. And here's what Jesus immediately did. He began to let them know that his kingdom is very different than earthly kingdoms. And this is how he responded in Mark chapter 10. I love this, such a powerful picture. It says, so Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in the world lorded over their people and the officials flaunt their authority. In other words, that's how the world works, right? Over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, humility. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. And then here it is. For even the Son of Man came not to be served. The creator of the universe did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the key, I want you to write this down. Here's, here's the last thing. The key to the prison of pride is humility. You see, pride is a prison that isolates us, but how do you get out of it? Humility. You raise your hand and say, I'm wrong. I messed up. You see, Jesus walked in humility. If anybody had a right, by the way, to be prideful, it was Jesus. He's God, right? For Jesus, you know, to have, to have demanded that other people serve him, in honoring him, it wouldn't have been arrogant. It would have been appropriate. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus took the position of a slave. That's what Paul says. He took the position of slave, and he served others. He served others. Now, now here's, here, here's what I want to leave you with here. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, we see a picture of what God does with his son Jesus because he humbled himself. It says, therefore, God elevated him. Why did he elevate him? Because he humbled himself. Hit him to a place of honor and gave him a name, him the name that is above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, here, here's the thing. I, I love what, what uh, John Ortberg says. You know, a lot of times in this life, you know what we do? We're always trying to climb the ladder of success. That's what pride can do sometimes. We, we're always trying to climb the ladder. And we think if we get to the next step, we're going to be satisfied. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Like, if I can just get to this house, if I can just have this house, I'll be satisfied. If I can just have this amount of money in my bank account, I'll be satisfied. And it's not true. It's not true. And as John Ortberg says, the problem with always climbing the ladder and climbing the ladder of success 
is though we go right past Jesus because Jesus is always climbing down. And because Jesus climbed down and because he humbled himself, he left heaven, he came to this earth. We're going to celebrate it in two weeks. He died for us. He humbled himself. God raised him up. Now, I want to close with this. This is important. Scripture says that God gave him a name that is above every name. In fact, Scripture says that Jesus sits to the right hand of the Father. But I want you to see something. He still sits at the right hand of the Father in humility. Because what Scripture says is Jesus, when he comes back the second time, it will not be like the first time. It's not going to be a silent night. When Jesus comes back the second time, his rank will be understood, okay? People will know he is capital G money God. You know that, right? Like people are going to understand and see that. They're going to recognize that. He is going to get the, the respect that is due. But scripture says right now he doesn't. Why? Because he still humbles himself. Because the moment the father looks at the son and says, now you go get what you deserve. Your rank, your authority, all of those things. Listen, you go get what you deserve. It's, all, it's already his, by the way. But we're going to understand when he comes back who's in charge. Not everybody does, but Scripture says every knee will bow. Every knee. It's not going to be an option. Okay? I've heard it explained this way. It's kind of like when, when you touch a hot stove. If you touch a hot stove and you don't know what's hot, you, listen, I promise you, you're not going to hold on to it and say, man, that's hot. You're going to let go. Same way, listen, I think every knee is going to hit the ground when they see Jesus in all his splendor. It's not going to be an option. We will be humbled. But Jesus doesn't do that yet. And the reason why is because the moment the Father looks at the Son and says, okay, now, any potential for relationship after that point stops. So here's what I want to leave you with. I find it very interesting in my life, and you probably find it very interesting in your life as well, that Jesus still walks in humility. He still doesn't demand his rights. And yet we choose over and over and over again to walk in pride. You see, Jesus did what Uzziah could not do. Jesus did what you and I could not do. He humbled himself. Why? For the sake of relationship. You see, pride always destroys relationships, but humility, humility restores relationships. So I want to do something right now. I, I want to pray for you. So would you just bow your heads, just close your eyes? I don't know where you find yourself in the story, but here's what I do know. All of us have pride in our lives. And so here, here's what I would ask you to do right now. This is the way I know the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Where is the Holy Spirit telling you and showing you, listen, there are some areas in my life that I need to confess before him and that you would do that right now. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask that God, that you would forgive us when we walk in pride. That God, men here who, who are husbands and, and fathers, God, when we walk in pride, when we, when we don't walk in humility, when we don't walk in your example, God, would you forgive us? for business owners and leaders and managers, God, that we would walk in humility, that we wouldn't demand our own rights, and that, God, you 
would bless our lives, that your favor would be like wind in our sails, in our marriages, in our homes, in our businesses, and God in this church. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen.